podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to start a watch brand that broke all the rules. With clean, innovative designs, unexpected colors, and unbeatable value, Movement became the fastest-growing watch brand in the world. Every bold, modern design is dreamed up at Movement's California headquarters. And now, everything is on sale for their ninth birthday celebration. You can save big with 25% discounts on watches, jewelry, sunnies, blue light eyewear, and more lifestyle essentials. And for the first time this year, Movement's best-selling, innovatively made ceramic watches are on sale too. Elevate your own look or give someone an amazing gift that won't break the bank. But looks like it did. There's never been a better time to join the movement. Get the best prices of the year with Movement's site-wide 25% off anniversary sale and enjoy free shipping, free returns, and a two-year guarantee on everything they make. Just go to MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Manchester United's free. Everton, free. The Toffees somehow, someway, clawed their way back into that football match. Somehow, someway, managed to get a point at the end, thanks to Dominic Carvert-Lewins. What felt like a hundredth minute equaliser in the end. Uh, my heart is beating out of my chest. Uh, absolutely delighted that Everton had managed to smuggle something away from that. Uh, the hats are on because Everton have got a good result. Unfortunately, Dave Danny's not got his on, but Mark Mosey okay. is where it is. Where did you find that one, mate? Well, tip of the cap to the Toffees. Um, <laughs> I thought, thought we'd all receive the memo tonight, but yeah, it just... Oh, what a night. What an unbelievable game. Uh, the, the fact that Everton have got any points from that is an absolute travesty, but at this moment, I do not give a crap, Matt. <laughs> Lyndon Lloyd joins us as well, mate. Uh, how, how are you doing after that? Yeah, I, I, my, the adrenaline's still going. Where, where do you start with that? I mean, where do you start? I mean, you know, halftime, you're, you're, you just can't believe they've repeated all the same mistakes they did against at Goodison against the same team, same, you know, same player, Bruno Fernandez. Give him the freedom of the pitch, and then you go in two 0 down. And it, I mean, I, honestly, it just it felt like all those games under Moyes, where games over at halftime, how much is it going to be? Um, is this going to be a repeat of Chelsea you know, way under Carlo? And then. Yeah, I mean, I, I just did not see that coming. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, you said you, you were gonna, we were going to nick one at the end. I, I wasn't that confident. I was, you know, resigned to defeat at that point. Um, at which point, I mean, you know, your, your fume is gone by that point, and you just gutted that it's it's either a, um, a slip by Olsen or, um, you know, a consequence of the fact that for a big guy, he's not quite as fleet, as, fleet, no, as, as sure-footed and, and quick on his feet as Pickford. Um, but yeah, oh, what a game, mad. Unbelievable. Uh, Dave, I'd just like you to, before I introduce you, just like to read out the text message I sent to you in our, in our little WhatsApp group that me and you have got. Um, about uh, 21.43, not to be too precise. That, that, was, um, that was 88 minutes, I think, something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And something along those lines. Um, I have to say, before we talk about that, did anyone else feel that we got like an absolute gift from John Moss to play that much stoppage time? I thought I, I thought it was just so because it's John Moss. I just thought it was so it would have been so easy for him not to give that free kick, yeah, and and just blow up before that or give the free kick 
and then blow as soon as the ball goes into the box because he's got that shit arsery thing with us. Yeah, I was astonished to get it gone. It's actually good refereeing, Dave, because they make a sub, don't they? And he takes forever to get off the pitch, and he takes yeah. forever to get back on. In yeah. fairness, just, just because it's John Moss. Yeah. Just, just because it's him, I thought, nah, because I, I didn't think it was one of his worst performances, to be honest with you. And I have to be. Are we talking about the referee here? After we. Sorry, it? sorry. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But anyway. What, what, what did you say? Uh, I asked who was on and he said, uh, Mosey and Lyndon. I said, lovely stuff. And then Matt said to me, I thought it was going to be a famous night at one point here. And I put, yeah, I think a few have bottled it. Then Matt says, I still think we could nick one here. And I just put Keenan Holgate garbage. And I, I, have my agenda, <laughs> I have my agenda set up for the whole show. And then he goes, yeah, although I don't think any of our defenders are good enough to snuff out Rashford or Fernandez, to be fair. So let's be honest, Matt, you were as pessimistic at me at that point. But you did just, say we, we could get an equaliser. Still believe, still believe. But you know what, Linda, you said, where, where should we start? And the only place to start really is at the end, isn't it? Uh, Dave, I'll throw straight back to you there. You know, Dom had a, <laughs> lot of a really weird game tonight. He had chances where he should have should have put us 2-1 at half-time. Um, you know, was quite wasteful with the ball, but he takes that so well at the end. You know, it's, it's a hard ball to take. The pressure's on. You're that old trap, but it's the last minute of the game. After to control that and poke it beyond the goalkeeper, you know, I've seen him getting a lot of grief tonight on, on, on social media for, for the way he played. But I think that's just a measure of the, of the strides this lad's made for us to keep his composure and finish that in that situation. Absolutely marvelous. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it is. It is testament to his uh, his character, isn't it? Because I mean, who, who else on the pitch would you think would still have the heart to sort of try and get a nick a goal at that stage of a game when? You know, you, you could even look around the rest of our team. I mentioned a couple of individuals there who didn't impress me at all in Holgate and Keane. Holgate, uh, Holgate for me, has got this worrying arrogance in his game at the moment. He walks around, I don't know if you've noticed, with his chewing gum, bit of a swagger. Uh, I think we need to have a look at that a little bit deeper, to be honest, if it, if it sort of continues to affect his form. But nobody else on that pitch I would look at and think would have the sort of determination, more so the, the sort of physical... Um, you know, the, the physical efficiency to, to go that long in a game when you've been frustrated all night. Your footwork's been quite poor. Your first touch has been quite poor. By his own admission, I, I would imagine he would say he had a poor game. Uh, until that moment, that happens. And I was just waiting for the and, and I'm sure you guys, will, at least one of you, will have joined me in this moment of thinking the flag's gone up or he's handballed it. Yeah. And the fact I thought he handballed it is testament to how good the touch was. Because it, it, yeah. in such a tight space, he's got nothing, nowhere, anywhere to go when the ball arrives at him, let alone to be able to get it on the deck so quickly at waist height. And then to have enough time to steady himself and prod it past David De Gea without De Gea already getting to the ball. It's a masterful finish. I was really glad Gary Neville gave it um, the, the applause and the acclaim that it deserved because it was a, a wonderful piece of striking. And look, we, we, were, we were spoiled by that in the end, weren't we? Because I thought Cavani's movement all night long. And I mean, how the guys were 33, 34 years old now is incredible to me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Mose. I'm, I'm not too sure how we got anything from that game. But I'll tell mm. you something now if you were looking for a catalyst, if you were looking for something to give us that mid season boost to try and kick us on and get as high as we possibly can in this league. It was a game like that. And I felt like we've 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 been working towards something like that where there's yes, it's in a draw, I know that. And I'm, no doubt there'll be copied to plenty telling us that in the comments right now. But I felt as if we have needed a catalyst at some point to get a second wind. 
a couple of players that have looked like they've been flagging a little bit. And I'd probably put that the inconsistencies we've had recently down to that sort of thing. But that you need games like that in a season to really propel you. And it, it did feel as if, to me, I thought we were teetering on a season that might well just peter out into mediocrity, mid-table, maybe, you know, seventh, eighth place finish rather than anything higher. But it's that sort of thing tonight that really reinvigorates me, probably more so than the three points we got at Leeds or the three points we got at Leicester. It was just that, you know, we didn't deserve it. We got it. Now let's capitalise on it. And I hope they've all got that attitude right now. Lyndon, sorry, you're going to make a point there, mate. But what, what did you make of, of that, that final moment of the game? Yeah, I was just going to say that it's 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 testament to the the leaps and bounds that, that Dom has made in terms of his his game in the box, and he's he's got instincts like predatory instinct. Yep. Um, you know the, the ones where you know he's back heeled in, in on the line, he knows where to be, and um, yeah, you, you just you just have to to applaud him for that and be thankful that we have that side of his game. Obviously, the other side of his game, you know, the, the miss just before halftime, which was reminiscent to the one that he had against Leeds. That's the part of his game that obviously now needs to come on. Um, and it's the much more difficult, much more difficult element to add to his game um, is to just to add that killer instinct when he's when he's when he's through on goal. But um, yeah, I mean, what, what's he on now? 17 for the season. So um, it's pretty good. Pretty good return. Um, so, you know, thank, thankfully. Yeah, I think for, for every one of these games where we kind of can collectively huddle around and, and talk about how much we've gained from a game that we didn't really deserve to, to snatch anything from, there'll, there'll, there'll be countless games where people like James Rodriguez are, are capable of getting on the ball and creating goal-scoring opportunities, but it doesn't quite happen for Everton. Um, so for all, of the, for all of the naysayers about Everton dragging a point away at Old Trafford, I can, I can show you 25 years of Everton teams that have been totally incapable of, of producing those moments. So let, let's revel in, in what we've got at the moment. I think the, the major travesty of tonight is that as much as we can all collectively and, and remotely celebrate about a game like tonight, to be one of those 3,000 people in the corner of that stand at Old Trafford would have just been an, a, a magic moment. Um, to be someone who was lucky enough to be there when Brian Oviedo scored that goal next to you, Matt. And it, they they are unfortunately the moments that you buy into as a football fan that at the moment we are not quite able to, to digest wholly. But to... To, to just we've we've spoken so often about an Everton team who exist purely on those moments at, at present, and as much as we are we are struggling to put consistent runs together, it it does feel as though the Hammers goal tonight, the Calvert Lewin goal tonight, they are the impulse moments that we have essentially gone out and bought these type of players for and they're the they're the reasons why you put James Rodriguez in this squad and you put them at number 10 when you need them most because they are capable of dispatching chances when they fall to them be it on 60 minutes trying to get back into the game be it on 94 minutes when you're trying to save your game that these are the reasons why we have these better footballers to put us in essentially better positions going forward into into the second half of the season so as much as I think it would be easy to fall into the, the mantra of picking apart what has been pretty weak about Everton tonight. And don't get me wrong, we, we, we've salvaged a result from a performance that has been pretty much non-existent tonight. But they are the things that we will look back in April and May as being defining moments of the season. 
Ahmed Rodriguez's goal was an equaliser on the hour mark, and we could talk about that as being an iconic strike in Everton's potentially European challenging season. And these are the fine margins of which the Premier League exists at the moment. Um, So it's just nice as an Evertonian for once to be on the positive side of that. Um, I'm sure we'll go into the negatives about Everton's performance and and individual moments tonight, but it's just nice to get a look at the break every now and again. Uh, And those Evertonians, we have been been few and far between in terms of celebrating them over the years. Yeah, do you you know what? I think the next couple of days are times to go to the negatives fully because I'm I'm still buzzing on that. I'm sure you guys all too. We don't want to dwell on whether Robin also should have made that shot or whatever. <laughs> I think I think no, I, right I, you know what, Matt. I, I I disagree with that because I think I think that that sort of thing is responsible for a lot of why we feel we're lucky to come away for, with a point in that game. And like, you like lucky to come I think, <laughs> no, but I think that I think there is a different time for the conversation about that because I think ultimately we're going to come to a crossroads with this goalkeeping situation at some point, aren't we? Um, and 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 that perhaps is a conversation for another time, but. I, I felt that the fear for me was going into this game that we weren't going to do ourselves justice, even though we've been playing very well and had a really good season so far. Um, and and these these are often the acid tests, aren't they? When you go away to one of these clubs like Man United, even though I don't think United have been the side that is an accurate reflection of Manchester City's best contenders this season. I put it nicely. Um, and and I, I just didn't want anything like an instant like that or a really bad mistake to taint our efforts at, at Old Trafford. We could well have lost that game and played much better than we did. But I didn't want something like that. And for it to happen, arguably twice, and I say very arguably, if you have a look at my Twitter timeline, about uh, the second goal we can see from that Fernandez wonderful strike. Um, it, it felt that that was an, a knife to the heart in terms of I felt the game was over at that point. I thought, how many? I thought that this is damage limitation. We get back into it, and then he has the the howler. I think we can all agree on in not stopping their their third goal. Now, what where I think that's important, and I don't have to mention him anymore, is the response to that from the team. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and I, and I felt that they felt that sense of injustice, and and this is where I think we can make a comparison between. Everton follow stones of the past and what we have now. The follow stones of the past, I don't think, react that way. But I felt a team there that was hurting because they felt they were much better than what they were for the bulk of that game. Yes, we may, we may, may well not have deserved that equalising goal. I personally think that was a defeat for Everton. If you go off what you saw in terms of the football played and eradicate the most important thing, the goals. But it was a response to something they felt wasn't an accurate reflection of how good they are as a team this season. And I don't think we've seen that before in all those previous false stones, even the time we won at Old Trafford under Roberto Martinez. And that, that's why I think it's important, but I agree with you. I think that the finer details of how the goals are conceded, that's probably for another time because we should be quite jubilant about what's happened tonight. You're absolutely sure, Lyndon, I think, as well, because Dave, Dave's right. All, all, all the opportunity was there for Everton to lie down and just take that defeat, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, a two points in the game, you know, when they get the, the goal to to go three two up and they're on top and, and you're sort of thinking you know they're probably going to get a fourth here maybe a fifth because the game's really stretched now they've got great attacking players and, and we looked a little bit ragged certainly a half time and especially a half time as well after your star strikers just missed that chance 
Now imagine how low and how you know downbeat everyone must have been feeling going into that dressing room, and for them to to, to pull themselves together and get on the front foot and get those two goals back really quickly. That that that's seriously impressive, and I think it's you know it's it's a belief that's probably been lacking for a long time. And you've got to say it's probably a belief that this team's only got and these players have only got because of the fella on the sidelines and the fella who's speaking to them at half time. And it's it's something that it feels like he's starting. It's not completely there yet, but he's starting to gradually instill that over time in these lads. Yeah, absolutely. That was the big thing for me was was the belief that they showed. I mean, taking setting aside that four four game under Moyes, which I think was the last time that United failed to win after being 2-0 up at home. I think the last time was that match. So was it nine years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that, I mean, that was huge, was to, that we got back into it and, and we were level because, you know, we, we had no business being, being level at that point. You know, having said that, over the, over, if you look at the match in its entirety, the chances that we had, Richardson had one later on, obviously Dom misses that one at the end of the first half. We had chances there to pull off a pretty successful away draw as it was, setting aside the mistakes that were made for the goals. Um, because, you know, we, we actually started the game pretty well. Um, and then we just let them have far too much space. And they obviously took, took control of it. Um, but there, were in, there was in, enough from Everton over the course of the 90 minutes. To, to, I actually think that, you know, a draw doesn't flatter us in terms of the chances that we had. Um, in terms of the passage of the play, I mean, United were, I mean, they looked like a very good team for most of that match. The way that they pinged the ball around, they moved, the, the, the movement, the passing and movement, um, there's always a player available. Um, there, there were times where we, we couldn't, couldn't live with them in midfield. Um, so, I mean, perhaps you can look at, it, look at it that way and say we were fortunate. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we've hung in there, we've stuck in there, we haven't given up, we're still pushing there in, in, in stoppage time. Where you know teams of Everton teams of the past might have given up by that point, um, or, or just not known how to um, how to get their way back get their way back into it. So um, yeah, it it could be it could be a catalyst, you know, because we've got some big games coming up. Um, you know, obviously the cup game. If we can go to Liverpool and and you know pull off something there, then then all of a sudden the season looks like it has a different complexion again. Mm. I think the the main issue that. Evertonians would have with with tonight and and in particular going to the inverted commas bigger teams in this league is this this sense of inferiority complex. Um, and I think that that only becomes more frustrating as your team gains quality. As you see people like James Rodriguez come in and and someone like Abdullah Decore, who in my mind is capable of dominating most. Premier League midfields at the moment. I, I, I can't see many midfield threes that he doesn't get into because he, he really is that that bigger figure in the middle of the park at the moment. And I think that that's where the angst kind of grows for me in that when you see Everton, and uh, we'll, we'll go into the reasons why we conceded goals, but to, to go in at 2-0 down at half-time, I would say was a, was a, fitty, a, a pretty harsh reality in terms of how that first half had had taken part and I think that, that that's where the frustration grows is that I think that the collective nature of the fans and, and everything that we've seen from the team this year is that we're, we're ready to not be that team anymore but when we get into these moments where the game is on a crux of 1-0 away at Old Trafford and, and how are you going to react it always seems as though Everton kind of fall back into that momentum of 
that that sort of passive mentality of letting Manchester United take the upper hand and as, as much as we'll go into the the goal the goalkeeping antics of, of the second goal I think if you let quality players have time on the ball and and take their pick of of where they put it in the net then that that will ultimately happen and I think that's it, it only takes a moment like the Corey's goal, which I, I don't know if, if it was the same for you guys, but it just seems to happen out of nowhere at the start of the second half. And and before you know it, I'm actually really interested in the second half because Everton have got something to fight for. And it very much felt like that for the players as well. It was it was kind of like... Bad mate, wasn't it? Bad <laughs> mate to come back. Yeah, we're back in this by accident. And I was ready to buy out and not really pay attention at that point. But now that, now that you've dragged me back in, I'm going to have to reinvest in this, and it, it feels as though that's always the mantra of the players: is that we'll 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 kind of react in part, but the, the whole the whole philosophy. And I, I know that, that these are words that we throw around constantly, but the mentality of going away to big grounds and winning games is still not quite embedded in this squad. And and results like tonight will will definitely attribute to help in that because. Going from going from an Everton that we've known for 25 years to being a team that challenges for the Champions League does not happen overnight. And occasionally, you are going to need games where, okay, you play a little bit badly in, but you somehow manage to grasp something. And then you go on after that and you you draw one and win three of the next four games. And, and before you know it, you're looking back at that United game where you think, well, do you know what? Maybe going in there and getting something was was a really major point of this season, and I just I just hope that I think so many times we've been here where we've kind of grasped something out of nothing and we've not really managed to build on it, and it's kind of this it's this apologetic feeling we have to getting things out of games that we didn't really necessarily deserve to get anything from, and I think we've got to get that kind of that kind of selflessness aside at the moment and just realise that. Football games happen like this sometimes, and occasionally we're going to play badly, but we're actually going to get something out of it. And as a, to go back on my original point, it's just, it's just nice to see Everton fallen on on the right side of this. Um, it, it's something that we're, we're not really accustomed to, but it, it's imperative that we now build on this as opposed to kind of sitting back and, and just feeling this this apologetic nature about going away and getting results because that is what the best the best teams in this in this league do. I mean, I, I completely get what you're saying with um, how it's still it's still that uh, feeling, the same old feeling, isn't it? Why are we going here? Why are we not expressing ourselves? Um, that's ultimately the feeling I, I do come away with, but perhaps not as overwhelmingly as I have in previous years, simply because I felt that a couple of times, a couple of mistakes we made, certainly for the goals, oh, yeah. come out of having a certain set of amb- a certain bit of ambition in terms of we tried to actually do something else. And yeah. I feel it was that sort of halfway house is where we got stuck because when you look at that Fernandez second goal, we're, we're still a pretty we're still pretty open. That's probably the reason why he gets the shot away is because our midfield aren't quick enough getting to him because they've been in a position to try and attack and control. I think Gary Neville said something interesting about that. He said. Everton need to sort of decide what they want to be here. Do they want to be the side that plays in possession or do they want to be the side that counter-attacks? Now, that, to me, is a far more ambitious um, tactical play from us than what we've seen in previous years where it would have been emphatically shut-up shop. Now, the irony in it is, had we taken the old shut-up shop routine, we probably wouldn't have gone 2-0 down. Yeah. Uh, we'd probably try and get it through to half-time and perhaps nick a goal from a set-piece. 
But where I think Carlos tried to do something different here, and again, Gary Neville, I thought was great on us tonight, was talking about that outlet being the Charleston all the time, but Ev- the actual Everton players didn't have the confidence in themselves to try and find them each and every time they got the ball. And he said that in Carlo fuming about it, saying that we were in such a good base position, just short of the halfway line, let's say. And there's always a ball onto Richardson because he'll hug the touchline and Wan-Bissaka's either further up the field or cut inside a little bit. So he's always available. But yet, invariably, that ball will go backwards. Mm. That, to me, is indicated that the manager's given them an introduction that's been, look, we're getting forward, we're doing it through the left-hand side. When we get it to Richardson, everyone else push up. But the players in their minds, and again, this is part of the inferiority complex you refer to, Mark, decide to go square or decide to go back or it ends up with Olsen to who forward. How many times have we, have we seen that? So, and But I feel as if it, 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 it was that attitude that we went there to get something that was more than a point that ultimately gets us the point in the end. Because just going back to how we opened the show, that, that sort of will to try and get back in this game, that sense of injustice, just didn't go away. Whereas in previous years, had we gone 2-0 down, it would have been definite damage limitation. So I think there are little nuances. I think there are little differences to that old feeling that we all feel so crap about when we go to these places. I just feel that the players were at sixes and sevens with it. I mean, if you look at Andre Gomez, who's probably at my man of the match, maybe the core again, the way he played towards the end, but I thought Andre Gomez was magnificent tonight. I thought everything he tried to do was to go forward. It was to pass the ball forward. It just seemed that everybody else were happy to contain. And those mixed messages need to change, don't they? They need to be more assertive. Um, Carlo needs to shout it more. Big Dunk needs to get involved. Everyone needs to be on the collective same page. That Look, we're going to Old Trafford here and we're going to win. We're going to play forward passes. We're not going to stay safe. Yet we saw a lot of those square balls and backward balls. So, yeah, it was at sixes and sevens. I think even looking at the performance as a whole. Yeah, I think it's... That point's about the mentality you think's really issue and uh, really important. And I think it's—I I always remember a game we played at Tottenham, like in 2012, where we made attacking changes. Moyes brought on Jalovic or an Ichibi, and we scored to go two-one up, like straight away. And it was almost like the change had worked too quickly. And it was almost like what the players sort of froze, like, "What? What do we do now? We scored to go ahead. This change just worked straight away." Well, it's the whole. It's, it's the old one they'll up in the FA Cup semi-final routine, isn't it? Exactly, mate. And, and I think as much as we talk about quality and, and squad depth as well, I think, and I think this is why United aren't quite there yet because they showed a bit of this tonight as well. It's it's that I hate the term game management, but it's that approach you take. I think elite players in those situations where things happen in matches know exactly what to do at, at those points in regards to pushing on or getting in shape or various other other things. And I think that's sort of what happened to us, with us tonight after the, the you know the, the second half. If we'd scored to go 2-2 on 80, then you go, right, we'll sit in and we'll have this. But it was like, we've come out here and this is this has worked a lot better than, than we could have had. And all of a sudden, we, we let the game meander a bit. They scored, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think um, just just Dave mentioned one player there, Lyndon and Andre Gomez. I asked people on the... The comments for for the man of the match. Um, Andy Hale said Andre Gomez, Andrew Millington, Decore, Ian Clark, Decore, uh, Joseph Cooper, Andre Gomez, uh, Dave Mack, Decore, Edges Gomez, Ben Ricketts, Gomez. Um, he, he does certainly feel as though Andre's turned the corner, doesn't it, in the last few weeks? And we're starting to gradually see the player we had in, in his first season at the football club again. 
Yeah, it's happened. It's happened quite quickly. So I wasn't. I was, you know, ready to to believe that he was going to be in this rut for a long time, uh, and we were going to have a, um, a particular problem because you know we don't have many options in that part of the field. But the last two three games, um, I think it uh, what seemed to turn for him was the assist with the Wolves uh, when he you know, lashed that 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 cross in. Um, and so yeah, so uh, yeah, him. And um, Decore, I think, are the uh, easily the, the pick of the bunch today. Um, I mean, Decore is for me has become. You know, when we were deciding at the beginning of the season which were going to be the, the, the most important of the three that arrived together, you know, James, Decore, and Alan. You know, most people picked that one. Most people picked um, Rodriguez, but uh, you know, Decore has 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 proven to be a really really important signing. Um, and he, he's just, he just gets everywhere. He's got an amazing engine, amazing um, stamina. Um, and so he's been, he's been absolutely brilliant signing. And I, do, I mean, I obviously didn't watch Watford much when, when he was there. So I wasn't particularly sure whether he was going to be um, the kind of player that we needed, but he's been, been fantastic. So yeah, him and, um, and Andre, and along way that continued because we're going to need that um, for, for the rest of the season. We're going to need a more positive Andre Gomez, um, that 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 sort of shed this 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 crab mentality and going backwards because there was there was too much of it going backwards again tonight. Um, even the things that drive me crazy, free you have a free quick free kick just inside their half on the touchline, an opportunity to to put it in the box like we did at the very end, and it ends up back with the goalkeeper, and you just think why? You know, <laughs> just have some 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 forward looking mentality. Put the ball, particularly if you've been. Um, under the cosh like we had been for much of that first half. Um, you know, with United just playing through us and, 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 and keeping the ball, sometimes you just need to go old-fashioned, just throw it up there and see if something happens. So, uh, yeah, really good to see to see um, Gomez finally turning it around. And hopefully this is the beginning of him finally getting back to the, the player that we uh, thought we were signing and the player that we had you know, in his first season. Yeah, and those, you spoke a lot about the core on... Um the post-match after Leeds and how good he was. We've had a few shots for Tom Davis as well, who, who's been really steady recently. And Matt. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Just, just, just on, the, on, that, on that side of things, um, people might change the man of the matches to, to Olsen now because apparently his nudge on Harry Maguire plays Dom on side for the, for the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I've just read that from uh, Ben Graham. Who writes for Sky? He just said, "Awesome was a fault with the third goal, undoubtedly, but the best part of the equaliser was his, was his nudge on Harry Maguire to play Calvert Lewin on side, a, a draw that could have the impact of a win." Me and Les were joking about some playing up front on on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe that's the way the way forward with it. <laughs> He's paid it back. He's paid his uh, debt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just, uh, just like saying, like say, uh, Tom Davis as well, I think deserves a mention. Yeah. Um, I think it's, he's been really steady recently, but I think it's steady. It's good being steady at Sheffield United and, and games like that. But going to Old Trafford and, and doing it against that mid- United midfield is a, a, different, mm. a different kettle of fish entirely. Yeah, I think you've, you've got to give credit, as, as Lyndon's already started, to, to, to all those midfield three because... For someone like Andre Gomez, you're looking for intelligent decision making on the ball. Um, we, we can we can definitely point the finger when that is a little bit overly pragmatic in terms of going backwards and sideways and and almost retaining the ball for possession's sake. And and that is something that Carl Ancelotti has said that he absolutely doesn't want Everton sides to do. 
for someone like Abdullah Decore, I think be, be, before you go into Decore's positives, you kind of have to look at someone like Tom Davis and say, well, we, we probably don't see Abdullah Decore breaking into the box to, to score a first goal or to potentially assist a James Rodriguez equaliser. If you haven't got that level of assurance in someone being able to, to hold the, the centre of midfield in, the, in a way that Tom Davis does, and I think I'd be the first one to to point the finger at Davis in terms of not necessarily knowing where Everton benefit from him being involved in this eleven. And you probably look at nights like tonight and being you, you probably do allow people like Andre Gomez and, and in particular Abdullah Decore to to break twenty or thirty yards ahead of the ahead of the play and, and potentially express themselves in a way that in particular someone like Decore hasn't been able to because. I think when you take Alan out of that side, I think a lot was made about Decore and how he was able to, in particularly, defensively hold that entire midfield. And I think that that's probably a burden that has been lashed on Decore's shoulders without any real previous from, in particular, his Watford days. Of I mean, I think when most of us had watched Abdullah Decore before and when Everton bought this player... We never saw him as someone who was going to hold that central midfield and, and act as that sort of ball-playing pivot and, and never really break the lines. And that is something that we absolutely need him to do because I think you can go back on, on seasons gone by and this game would have passed us by purely because Dominic Calvert-Lewin would have been that isolated figure up top and you may well have had someone like James Rodriguez who was capable of playing the odd unbelievable pass but I think it all lacks a little bit of substance when you haven't got someone like Decore to all knit that all together. I think when you have got someone like him to, to prod that ball home or or to play that incredibly powerful pass into Hammers, I think it, they are the position. Oh, yeah, the deserved on commentary that he proper fizzes it in. And yeah, the, the touch from Hammers is insane, but you almost need that understanding from someone like the Corey who knows that A, he can get into those advanced positions, but also the fact that he can smack a ball at Hammers and he'll actually be capable of bringing that down and putting it in the net. And they are, as much as we don't want to necessarily define Abdi the Corey as about what he can be, because we, we almost want him to be that jack of all trades, but when we've got a footballer who is as technically gifted as him and also as intelligent as him, it's important that we realise that in those moments where we are two goals down and we do feel slightly aggrieved by it, we are able to push him a further 15 or 20 yards up the pitch and say, well, if you feel that aggrieved by it, then go, go and change the game. Go and be that most advanced third midfielder because no one else is really going to do that in that midfield, in particular when Gilfie Sigurdsson isn't playing. And I accept when, when Sigurdsson comes on, Decore will always have to take that more sort of that stable role in midfield. But I don't know about you guys, but in, in terms of being that most offensive midfield player, I would always prefer it to be Decore because he's going to be in your face. He's intelligent on the ball. He's incredibly powerful with his running. And he is capable of making the correct decision in and around the 18-yard box. And, and ultimately, from your most attacking midfield central player, that is what you want. Someone who is capable of making those potential chances and those kind of what-if moments into the ones that you saw James Rodriguez finish off tonight. So I think massive credit to Decore, not only for tonight, but also for the Leeds game, but also for Everton in terms of just being a little bit more risky in those situations. I can I can think of so many Everton teams down the years that 
that ball would have fell at the Corey's feet at 2-1 down and we would have gone back to the right back and probably whipped the ball in or probably gone back into the middle and back out to Leighton Baines at left back and nothing really materialises. And I think that the major criticism from most pundits who watch Everton at the moment and most fans who watch us is that there's a lack of bravery. And I think what the Corey show tonight is that we're going to take an odd risk. We are going to be brave on the ball, be it in possession or or making that killer run into the 18-yard box. And, and they are ultimately what turn a 3-4-1 or defeat at Man United into a 3 all draw. Uh, and I think that, that that's why we went out and bought this style of player in the summer. Yeah, there you go. Uh, good stuff there from Mark Mosey, chairman of the Abdullah Debore Ultras. Uh, <laughs> Dave, you, you're nodding along there, mate. Well, I, I was going to say, was um, you're sort of, obviously you're thankful for the manager we have in many different ways, but particularly this one as well, because... I feel as if he'd be a really difficult player to manage for so many other managers simply because he does that variety of roles and he's that powerful a runner. I mean, he, in some some games I look at him and think he looks like he's got this real freedom to go and do what he wants. And then you're right, Mark, when, when let's say, an inferior midfielder, an inverted commas, comes into the side, yeah. then the clamps are put on him a little bit. But when you, he's, he's an absolute machine, isn't he? And he's such an intelligent runner. I look at the positions he takes up when he hasn't got the ball. And I've started trying to do that a lot with our players these days. And I think you see a different facet to them and a different different side to players when you look at what they're like off the ball. So obviously it's very easy for us as fans to just watch the ball getting fizzed about and things like that. But his game intelligence is fantastic because I don't know if you've seen it in the first half, very, very long time ago now, where they nearly score from that flick on. Um early doors and he's at the back post to clear it. Yeah, yeah it's a great clearance, yeah. That, that sort of intuition and, and that sort of foresight's incredible, I think. And I feel as if we had one of our managers of old, we, we'd be sit, sat there castigating him every single week because of the role he played this fella in. It just feels like Ancelotti has this perfect balance of having him in a disciplined shape when needed, particularly off the ball. But then when we have the ball, he's somebody that assists everybody else going forward and the, the one thing I'd love to see from him is a bit more, a few more goals, but I, that that sort of caveated by the fact that he does have to do a lot of other groundwork on the other side of things, doesn't he? I mean, if you if we had a more solid, consistent base in midfield, and we've spoken about Gomez and hoping that that's the corner turn for him, you hope Davis continues on this sort of nice, steady trajectory of starting to influence games more and getting more game time and responsibility. Then I'm looking forward to Decore being a more of a what we have with Tim Kale. Yeah. Because I can just, I just, I just think he's got that physical stature to be somebody who arrives late into the box, or somebody who's, who's sort of meandering on the edge of it, looking disinterested. Imagine trying to mark him. That's what I mean. That, that this is exactly what I'm talking about. And you, you are then looking at coming up against opposition, and it's most opposition, let's face it, who would have to designate a player to man mark somebody like him, which is an incredibly influential thing in a game of football, when you have to mark somebody, obviously you are appreciating that they're the opposition's biggest threat. Um, and he's by far not ours yet. But I could just see that being the evolution of what he does for us, playing a little bit more forward, a little bit more... It, sort of what James was doing to a certain extent today, but much more further forward. James was in this sort of free role, I felt, that was central. Um, and we're normally seeing him out on that right wing and fizzing balls across or diagonals and stuff like that. I'd see the Corey probably in front of that at the tip of a diamond, maybe, um, with that with with that engine he's got. I mean, it's 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 a real luxury for us at times, isn't it? Yeah, uh, 
absolutely love love the Bruins. He's a wonderful player, so glad we've got him. Uh, just just to, to finish off, uh, I do want to ask you about your celebrations or non celebrations for that third goal. Did 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 you, Lyndon? I'll come to you first. Did did you lose the plot? Did you fully go for it, or did you think, oh no, there's there's a VAR coming here, like like there was uh, in the Goodison game when Dom scored in the last minute there? Yeah, it's hard to lose it these days because you. I mean, we've seen so many that have been disallowed in like in recent weeks. I mean, there was just one a few days ago. It was at the Southampton one against Villa. Um, yeah, I, 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 want, I, I initially did, and then I just held myself. And I just thought it's, <laughs> you know, it's going to be Everton that, or John Moss that, or Var that, or whatever. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I've calmed down now. Obviously, <laughs> you do. You just it, and it's sad that that, that VAR does this. That you have to hold hold your, your emotions in. Um, yeah. You're checking the players' faces. You know when Bob, Ben Godfrey's looking back and giving an F off to whoever he was telling. I thought he was actually looking back across to the lino to make sure that you know that, that, that he hadn't given it offside. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. But you know, it, at least you can celebrate it eventually, huh? Lynn, you're you're a stronger man than me, mate, because I had thrown VAR straight out the window at the point where that ball hit the net. There's two <laughs> terrified Bijan freezers and a horrified ginger cat in this house because I was totally gone. I don't know if you've noticed, but I haven't quite come down since that moment yet. Oh. Because as, as much as as much as we worried about what the, the emotive element of VAR have taken away, and and don't get me wrong, there's been goals that haven't have scored that have definitely definitely had that sort of twang of realism about them and the fact that nothing nice will ever happen to this club. But I think I I was the Duncan Ferguson to the Carlo Ancelotti of Lyndon. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen two more contrasting human beings on a touchline of a football match before. From someone like Ferguson who wanted to just grab Ancelotti and squeeze him until he burst. And someone like Carlo who absolutely knew that that flag was about to go up any second, but I was definitely the former because there's 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 a beauty about robbing something from a football match that you yeah. absolutely don't deserve. Um, I will I will never apologise for that because we've been on the receiving end of that so so many times. Um, so massive praise to all of the Duncan Fergusons out there who are still on the come down because I am definitely one of them. Dave, where are you on the Ferguson Ancelotti scale? Well, firstly, yeah, I was definitely more dunk, but I, I celebrated the scream, and then obviously you talk about the dogs are two dashes with barking their heads off at me. I was having a fit. Um, <laughs> might actually connect an ambulance line to them or something like that for when when things get too hefty when they're for scoring last minute winners or last minute draw games and stuff. Um, but actually, I'll, I'll, I was looking at the United players more than ours. So I haven't actually seen our celebration yet, other than the quite funny face Calvert-Lewin makes when he slides to the ground on, on the replay. But I had my eyes fixated on United whilst I was going nuts because I was just thinking, if the flag's gone up, they're going to instantly just like put their arms down and stop complaining and stuff like that. And as it carried on more and more, faintly heard Gary Neville saying, they are going to check this, but I don't think he's handled it. Still carried on the celebrations. But when, when I saw uh, Big Dunk go towards Carlo, it was almost like Carlo grabbed him, you know, to continue this sort of myth that he's this Italian gangster. I've got this idea in my head that when Dunk gets there, because he slows down and doesn't he, he just stops. Yeah. <laughs> he embrace hugs, like, for a minute or two. And I've got, and I, in my head, I'm thinking, has Carlo grabbed him by the balls there? And, and it's just, like, <laughs> squeezing as hard as he can. Don't, don't, like, don't, don't put your hands on me. 
Uh, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, and he's going, don't you ever touch me again. And Big Doug's got his hands around him. Um, but yeah, I mean, what 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 such a, uh, like Mark says, such a contrast of emotions that you're like, are you Carlo or are you Big Dunk? But it's a shame that it, you, to be Carlo, I think you have to have a touch of the VARs, don't you? Because you're fearful something will happen. I, I'm glad you've asked this, Matt, because it's been it's been something that's been under your skin for a while, hasn't it? That sort of raw celebration possibly being taken away from us because we've got our eye on a, on a fourth official or something like that. Yeah, I, I did sort of have like a couple of seconds of lose it and then check because I thought it's hit him on the midriff there. So but when, when Neville said it's the, it, the, the touch is that deft to set it up for himself. I thought there's no way he hasn't handled that. It just it's looked big. like it just the contact with his body just looks like the ball slows down that much. I thought that's banged onto his arm now. Well, it made he made it look easy. Think back to that Leicester game the other week, and Gomez has the same one, doesn't he? From that corner, bounces it off him. him, and it, it bounces off him. Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh. mm. You know, at the, end, at the end of a game like that, where you've been, you know, you've been on the back foot, you've been defending, you've been chasing, you've been harrying, so have the composure and you know to do that. It, it's it's absolutely magnificent. But it's uh, it's already one of the great event moments. We have got Carlo Ancelotti grabbing Duncan Ferguson by the balls and Ben Godfrey <laughs> telling everyone to fuck off. Like, <laughs> you'll, only, you'll only do it once, son. <laughs> what more could you possibly want? Those of you listening to the podcast, Mark Moses got his little hat on that he had on at the start. Uh, we will get Dave on the hunt for his for when we smash Spurs on Wednesday and get into the next round of the FA Cup. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I didn't think a draw was worthy of it. As much as it was worthy of our celebrations and giddiness, I don't think it was worthy of the cap. There we go. Uh, that'll be out on Wednesday when Tottenham are put to the sword. By the <laughs> absolutely bewildering Everton football team. Uh, Lyndon's giving it loads, give it the big one. We're all made up. Uh, that's it from us tonight. If you want to hear more from us, and why wouldn't you after that? It's just one of those games you want to read and listen to as much stuff as possible. Uh, do come and join us on the Blue Room Extra. It's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Uh, multiple Everton shows every single week they build it up to and analyze all of our football matches, including this one that's happened tonight and including the game on Wednesday against Tottenham. Get over to Toppy Web and read Lyndon's match report as well, which we continue uh, to frequently disrupt by getting him on these shows. But uh, <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure on nights like this, he doesn't mind that much. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday night anyway. Uh, salute these lads. Have a drink for these lads. They absolutely deserve it after that performance at Old Trafford. Uh, we will speak to you again soon here on the Blue Room. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, Two college dropouts teamed up to start a watch brand that broke all the rules. With clean, innovative designs, unexpected colors, and unbeatable value, Movement became the fastest-growing watch brand in the world. Every bold, modern design is dreamed up at Movement's California headquarters. And now, everything is on sale for their ninth birthday celebration. You can save big with 25% discounts on watches, jewelry, sunnies, blue light eyewear, and more lifestyle essentials. And for the first time this year, Movement's best-selling, innovatively-made ceramic watches are on sale, too. Elevate your own look or give someone an amazing gift that won't break the bank. But looks like it did. There's never been a better time to join the movement. Get the best prices of the year with Movement's site-wide 25% off anniversary sale and enjoy free shipping, free returns, and a two-year guarantee on everything they make. Just go to MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.